This week I was uh, driving down the highway uh, at night and I came upon a little bit of a traffic jam. The traffic was starting to slow and it was at night. If you can kind of picture that on a highway, all I saw was brake lights. They started to light up the whole night sky. And so naturally, what did I do? I hit my brakes as well. And I always think about when I come up on a traffic jam or traffic starts to slow like that, specifically at night because you can see all the brake lights, I just think, what if everybody at every level, beginning with the first level, what if they just kept going? Does anybody ever think about this? Then maybe there wouldn't be a traffic jam, right? If everybody just kind of kept going, but we don't do that. No, we see brake lights, specifically at night, we see brake lights in front of us. We intuitively follow suit and we hit our brakes as well. See, here's the reality in all of life for every single person in this room. We will always follow someone or something. You know how I know? Social media. You literally follow somebody, right? And these things aren't like going away. They're not just little cute businesses like nonprofits that we hope make it, right? I think Mark Zuckerberg just announced meta. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds big, right? Why? Because he's capitalizing on the fact that we want to follow people, right? That's why things go viral. It's why things trend on Twitter. It's why my kids know how to do the Applebee's dance, right? Because we love to follow people. Now, now here's, here's the deal. Everybody follows someone or something. It's just a matter of whether you make an intentional decision to do that or not. It's just a matter of whether you make a conscious decision to follow somebody. Because even if you don't do that, like some of you here today and you're like, no, Tim, hey, I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. I don't follow anybody. I do what I want. Well, what informs and affects what you want? You see, the reality is, just to stick with Facebook for a little while, that link you clicked once upon a time, like five years ago, there's an algorithm built around that now to inform and affect what you want. You're following something, and listen, you may not even realize it, right? So today, we're going to talk about, we're in week four, Jesus according to Jesus. I am the good shepherd. Jesus is going to make a declaration, but also an invitation that you should follow him, that he's the good shepherd. He's the only one worth following, and you will follow someone or something, but we want to follow Jesus, the good shepherd. So John chapter 10, grab a Bible, and that's where we're headed today. You can pull it up on your phone. John chapter 10, it's a little bit of a continuation. If you were here last week, it's really the same scene. Jesus last week talked about, remember, I am the door. Now he says, I am the good shepherd. And there's a lot of things that carry over, so we're going to talk about that. But let's read it together, and then we'll break it down. You guys ready? Ready or not, here I come. John 10, 11 through 18, it says this. I am the good shepherd, that's Jesus. He said, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay my life down for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. And I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock with one shepherd. 
For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Here's where we're going today. If you take notes, here's our outline right off the top. We're gonna talk about shepherd and sheep, good and evil, life and death. Just a few simple light topics, okay? That's where we're going today. So here's the first thing, sheep and shepherd. Twice Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Last week he said, I am the door. Remember we talked about, it's not like the doors in the back of the sanctuary. He was talking about a door of a sheep pen. That he would be out in the fields and he would build a sheep pen, a shepherd would, and there would be rocks and bushes and he would keep the sheep safely nestled in at night and protected, but there would be an opening. And the shepherd would be the door. Literally, the shepherd would lay down in that opening to protect the sheep from enemies, but also to let them in and out to pasture. You guys remember that last week. This is the same conversation, the same setting, the same imagery. And I think for a lot of us, we're just not really familiar with sheep and shepherd, right? Unless you like grew up in Buckeye or Queen Creek, right? Some of y'all, you've never even seen a sheep up close. You've definitely never raised one. And what you need to know about sheep is they were utterly helpless without a shepherd. This is illustrated really well. I read this week about this story in 2005 in the country of Turkey when 1,500 sheep plunged off a cliff to their death. Except it's kind of crazy. Only 400 died because they cushioned for the other 1,100 and so only 400 sheep died. The other 1,100 were just kind of injured and they made it out okay. But do you know how this happened in Turkey? Like go look it up, 2005 Turkey, like I think they call it like sheep massacre or something, like really sadistic like that, like it's really bad. Um, but what happened is they said a few of the shepherds just weren't watching their flocks for just a few moments, like eating breakfast, having a meeting. I don't know what shepherds do. And one sheep decides, that cliff looks great. I'm gonna go walk over it. And so all the other sheep are like, hey, he's walking across, let's go as well. I don't know, let's just do it. Like, I don't know how I have a Texas accent when I talk like sheep, but um, they're just like, I'm in, let's go. Listen, we love that you're here today. You're valued under God and before him, but Jesus says you're that. I mean, it's just the reality of Scripture. Old Testament and New Testament, the way we're described is not lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. The way we're described as sheep. One person does it, I'll follow along. That's how things trend. That's how things go viral. We're all following something. And Jesus wants to point out, we, like sheep, will go astray. We, like sheep, will wander off. We'll do all sorts of crazy things if we're left to ourselves. We need a shepherd, and Jesus says, that's who I am. Remember this whole series, this I am statement. Jesus is saying he's God. He's saying, I'm the God of Exodus chapter three. When Moses is asking, hey, hey, who should I tell him sent me? As I go rescue these Israelites out of slavery, as I, as I go do this great thing, who should I say is backing me in this? And God says, his first time he gives his name, he says, you tell him I am sent you. And Jesus says, I am, I am utterly independent. I am self-sufficient. I am self-sustaining. I am. He's declaring again that he is God, but in his grace, he's also describing what God is like. And he says, 
He's like a good shepherd. I am the shepherd that's here to lead you. And so we have to ask, what does this leading and following look like? Well, I think a great example is the life of David. You see, David wrote Psalm 23 where he says, the Lord is my shepherd. You've heard it at funerals and sermons. You just heard it in the song we sang right before this. David said, the Lord is my shepherd, right? You need to know David was a king, but before that, he was an actual shepherd. So he knew intuitively what it meant to be a shepherd. He knew what it meant to lead sheep, but he also knew what it meant to be led by a shepherd. See, if you know anything about the life of David, his life was chaos. He was constantly on the run. He was on the run, hiding in caves from King Saul. He he was on the run at one point from his own son, Absalom, who was trying to kill him as well. He was on the run from himself. If you know the story of David, committed adultery with Bathsheba. On top of that, he commits murder. And so David, constantly on the run, and yet in Psalm 23, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, that may be knitted in a blanket at home for you, or wrapped around a coffee mug, and we think of it as a cute, trite saying, not for David. No, David, when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, he's saying, when I'm hiding in a cave, running from my life, from Saul, from my son, from myself. The Lord is my shepherd. He's everything I have. Without him, I'm jumping off the cliff. Without him, I'm dying. He is preserving, protecting, pursuing me. At all times, the Lord is my shepherd. That's what the picture Jesus is painting is. What does it look like to follow Jesus as your shepherd? Is it coming for an hour on, on a Sunday and getting some good tidbits and hearing some cute illustrations and leaving to go to lunch? No. It's an utterly dependent life. It's a radical surrender to say, we have nothing. We're not self-made people. We don't pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We have nothing, and we need a shepherd, amen? That's what David meant, and that's what Jesus is trying to explain that you and I need, because we're sheep, and we need to be led by a shepherd. So he wants to make that clear off the top. Um, this summer for me was really, a really good time where I experienced a lot of this. Uh, many of you know, this summer I took a sabbatical. We started this church seven years ago. And uh, thankful to you as a church, you, you gifted my family and I with a sabbatical. And so I had a summer. I wasn't up here yelling at you every Sunday. And I wasn't pastoring people. I was just a person. And Man, I just kind of went into this sabbatical thinking, okay, I want to be a better shepherd. A pastor's a shepherd, so I'm supposed to lead and care for and protect you. And I just thought, okay, I'm going to read some books, and I'm going to try to be a better pastor, better shepherd. And then a friend came along and told me, he said, hey, what if, what if you just tried to embrace the fact that first you're a sheep, not a shepherd? I think the best way you can lead your people and come out of this sabbatical refreshed and equipped and empowered to shepherd your people is by not focusing on being a better shepherd, but embrace the fact that you're first a sheep. And let me tell you, that was what was so beautiful about my sabbatical, is I just got to be a sheep, and I got to be led by my shepherd, Jesus Christ, the chief shepherd, who, listen, my success as the shepherd, the pastor of this church, is only if I connect you to the chief shepherd, amen? I'm not the good shepherd. I'm definitely not the chief shepherd, 
Right? And so I need to first understand, I am the sheep. How can I get more of the shepherd, more of the shepherd? And as I get more of him, hopefully that spills out into you. And that was my whole sabbatical. And so I, I thought about it as we talked about this, sheep and shepherd, like hey, I could ask you, well, hey, some of you are teachers. How can you be a better shepherd as you're a teacher? Some of you are coaches or, or business leaders or, or, or pastors maybe. I don't know, former pastors, whatever the case may be. And we can all think about how can we be more like the good shepherd? That's not it. How can you be a better sheep and be led by your good shepherd? As a teacher, as a parent, as a business leader, if we were all better sheep clinging to our good shepherd, you would become a better shepherd. Do you see it? So Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. No matter what your position in life is, we follow him. We surrender to him. And that's how we shepherd other people. So the first thing, shepherd and sheep. The second thing, good and evil. Notice Jesus makes really two contrasts here. He says there's a good shepherd, but there's also a hired hand. There's a good shepherd, but there's also a wolf that's evil. And so we need to see those contrasts. And I think the imagery of sheep and shepherd that Jesus is giving us really helps us. He talks about hired hands. You gotta remember who Jesus is talking to. Like if you picture this moment, he's talking to Jewish religious leaders. And remember the backdrop. We talked about this last week in John chapter nine. These Jewish religious leaders, they are supposed to be good shepherds. They are charged with shepherding people, leading them, caring for them, protecting them. That is what these religious leaders are supposed to do. But yet we know in John chapter nine, Jesus heals a blind man. The guy was blind, literally he can now see. He is saved physically, spiritually. He is saved by Jesus and he's in the temple and what do these religious leaders, these supposed shepherds do? They kick him out of the temple, remember this? It's just kind of a weird orientation into the Christian life. Like when people get saved at Phoenix Bible Church, we baptize them. We take them through an essentials class like we had this morning at 9 a.m. We don't kick them out of the church. How crazy is that? But that's literally just what happened. These religious leaders, supposed shepherds, saw a guy get saved, was blind but can now see, and they give him the boot. And so Jesus is saying, you're a hired hand, you're not a shepherd. Don't you just love Jesus? Jesus doesn't give illustrations about people far off. He gives illustrations about people right in front of him. He is calling them out. You think Jesus is a nice person? He's a loving and truth-filled grace, full of grace and truth. And you're seeing that in this moment right now. The most gracious thing Jesus can do for these religious leaders is call them out in the midst of their sin, is call them what they are, which is hired hands, not shepherds. He's given them grace. He's given them truth right in front of him. And as I tried to imagine this scene, I just imagined some of these religious leaders, they're listening to Jesus talk about hired hands. And some of them are like, oh, man, these hired hands, boy, they suck. These guys are terrible. Like, who is that? And I got to imagine one, like a brighter fellow next to him that's also a religious leader is like, bro, he's talking about us. <laughs> he's talking about us. We're the hired hands. You see, he talks about that these hired hands, they don't own the sheep. Did you notice that in verse 12? He makes that clear. Hey, there's a distinction. The shepherd owns the sheep. They're his. The hired hands, 
They're just doing it for a paycheck. They're just doing it for when it suits them. And so when a wolf comes, when danger comes, he says they'll flee. They'll let the wolf take them. And that's something we all know, right? There's a difference between owning something and renting something. Some of you rented a car and you drove it like you wouldn't be able to tell in church because you would be uh, judged by that and shameful of that. You drive it differently because you rent it. I know my wife and I, we stayed at an Airbnb once, and it was a beautiful Airbnb. But it was really weird because there was a, a one room that was locked that he said you can never go in, and it was connected to his garage. And so I'm pretty sure he came in and out of the Airbnb. Airbnbs can be great. That can also be weird. Let's just be honest in church, right? And so my wife and I, we're having a great time. It was a fantastic Airbnb, but we would hear noises. And we would think, is that room locked because he comes in and out of it? Is he right now, has he got his ear up to the door? And we got three kids, like we're away, if you know what I'm saying. Anybody know, parents? Okay. And the whole time, but we're like, I don't know if we can be intimate. Like this is weird. Is he in there right now? And then at night, I would hear things in the middle of the night. I'm like, is that someone coming to kill us or is that the Airbnb guy? But let me tell you, I didn't own that house. So as we played out these scenarios and talked, we did talk about all this, like what if it's him? What if it's a robber? We just talked about, hey, we're bolting and I'm calling the cops. And listen, men, I had no bravado of like, I'm gonna fight them off. I was just like, no, I'm getting out of here and we're calling the cops, right? That's the plan. If if it's not the Airbnb guy. <laughs> How is that different from my house that I own? If somebody, if I hear rustling, if I hear somebody in a locked door in a locked room in my house, if I think a robber, a thief is coming in my house with my three kids and my golden retriever and my wife, even, listen, this is where the bravado comes in. Even if I'm scared to death, I'm grabbing the mag light. That's a light, but also a weapon. I'm grabbing my shotgun, even if it doesn't have shells in it. I'm pumping it a couple times, you know what I'm saying, guys? Just to scare them off. Even if I'm scared, I'm not going anywhere. Why? Because I own that house. Because that's my family. There's a difference. You see, Jesus is calling out, hey, Hey, there's some people who are just hired hands. They don't care for the sheep. They don't own the sheep. As soon as they see trouble coming, they're out the door. And some of you know leaders like this. And so we have to look at, okay, there's wolves, there's sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd, but there's also evil. There's wolves coming. There's hired hands that just let them come. And so we have to see, well, how do we spot them? Commentaries will debate, like, who are the hired hands and who are the wolves? Are are the wolves false teachers? Is the wolf, is it the wolf? Is it Satan? Are the hired hands just the religious leaders? Are they being controlled by Satan? Like, which one is it? A lot of people will debate this. Here's what I would say Jesus makes clear, is there is evil coming. There's evil coming. And that evil may be in the form of a leader who looks like a shepherd, but it's not. That evil may be in the form of a wolf, like sin and Satan. You're just like, oh, that's, that's definitely a wolf. But there is evil coming. Just as much as he makes it clear, I am the good shepherd, 
he says evil is also coming. And so how do we spot it? Here's a couple ways I think we can spot it. We need to see, is maybe in this case a leader, a hired hand, is he a true shepherd? Is he a pastor? Does he love people? Or is he using people? Is Satan using him to snatch people up? How do we spot that? We need to see, are people being scattered or are people being unified? You see, contrasting with the wolf, with the hired hand, we see it in verse 16. Jesus doesn't scatter people. What does he do? Unifies them. Verse 16, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also. There will be one flock with one shepherd. The good shepherd, how do we know? He unifies people. The hired hand, the wolf, he ultimately, eventually, he may gather people for a while, but eventually they scatter, right? That's how we spot it. So if you're wondering, what is it, Satan? Is it false teachers? It may be both controlled by Satan, but it's someone who scatters people, not unifies them. This is the distinction Jesus makes. And so we need to look at leaders, at pastors of churches, at yourselves, as parents. Are you stirring up division? Does everyone around you eventually scatter? I don't mean like they move away, but do they scatter? There's no reconciliation Conflict arises and there's just cold bitterness. There's, there's accusation, there's belittling, there's shame. Listen, some of us, you've been in churches like this where people don't just leave churches like they leave and scatter. They scatter like there's no relationship ever again. Like there's cold hatred. Like there's enemies. Hey, you're an enemy, you're good, you're bad. Are they scattering people or are they unifying people? Where when somebody leaves a church, they're like, Oh, man, but I, I still love that. I'm thankful for that guy's investment in my life. I still listen to him on the podcast. He, he cared for me. We're in a different place now. Or is it like, man, no, something else was going on there. That's how we spot. And we, listen, it's not just looking out there. It's looking in here. I think many times with a sermon like this, we can think about people who are in charge, people who are in control. Are they wolves? Are they hired hands? Are they good shepherds? We can look at Washington, D.C., and we can use a sermon like this and talk about the jerks in Washington and miss looking at ourselves as parents, as leaders in our own right. We can think about the pastor who hurt us, and we should, but do we think about ourselves? Do we put the mirror in front of ourselves? Hey, are we loving people? Are we protecting people? Are we caring for people? Are we unifying people? Or are we scattering people? Are we promoting conflict and gossip and division? Are we contributing to racism, classism, elitism? Jesus makes it clear He's bringing people in, not scattering them out. Which, by the way, this scene that he's in, again, continuing with the context of what's going on here, he's talking to religious Jewish leaders. And so when Jesus says, hey, have more people who aren't of this fold, what he's saying is have more people who aren't Jews. I'm going to get the Gentile. I'm going to get the Greek. I'm going to get the Samaritan. I'm unifying people, which is why in the church of Jesus Christ and in our world that's influenced by the church of Jesus Christ, there is no room for racism. There's no room for classism. There's no room for elitism. That's why we even speak out against those things at times because they are antithetical to the gospel. Do you see that? Amen? Jesus is making it clear, I have sheep that are not just Jewish. I am branching out. Jesus goes to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. When they could have gone around, he goes through. 
And he says, hey, I am a unifier, I am a good shepherd. I'm not someone who scatters people, I'm someone who unifies. So as you think about today, with all the polarization in our world, with all the division, do you see people, do you see yourself as someone who helps unify that? Or do you contribute to the scattering? That's what we should look at. We should take some self-assessments in this. Are we following the good shepherd as we're unifying people? Or are we contributing to the scattering of people? We need to think about that. The last thing. Life and death. Here's how Jesus unifies people and doesn't scatter them. He lays down his life five times. Isn't it interesting? Five times Jesus says, I lay my life down. I lay my life down. I lay my life down. I lay my life. He wants to make it clear. He's laying his life down. Why? To unify, to protect the sheep. That as the enemy come, as, as the wolf comes, Jesus is going to sacrifice his life to save the sheep. Listen, praise God. He's not going anywhere. Amen? The enemy comes at you. Division comes at you. Sin comes at you. Jesus is planted in the ground. He's not going anywhere. He says, I'm going to lay my life down five times so you would know he is staying. He will sacrifice himself to protect you. He's a good shepherd, amen. He's a good shepherd, so he lays his life down. But it gets better than that. He says, I don't just lay my life down. I take it back up again. He sacrifices his life to protect the sheep. Again, picture that. He sacrifices his life. He lays his life down to protect and unify the sheep. But simultaneously, he doesn't just sacrifice his life. He slays the enemy through the resurrection sacrifices his life and slays the enemy through the resurrection. Do you know that? He's a good shepherd. This is why we follow Jesus. This is why Jesus is worth, you're going to follow someone subconsciously, conscious decision, whatever the case may be, some ideology, some philosophy, things are informing your wants and desires every single minute of every single day. Who are you following and where are they taking you? Are you following the good shepherd who sacrifices his life but also slays your enemy? He is the only one worth following. And I don't know about you, some of you are more spiritual than me. But I have to make a conscious decision every single day of my life to say I'm following Jesus, the good shepherd, not these other things. Because I'm being led Social media, I'm being led. Fox News, CNN, I'm being led. That friend group, that text group, I'm being led. Listen, I'm saying I, you, we are being led. And you have to make a conscious decision to be led by this good shepherd. If not, we will wonder. Isaiah 53, all we like sheep do what? We go astray. You see, what I think is interesting about so many of our paintings with the sheep and the shepherd, there's one right above me where I I do my study day. I've told you guys about this a couple times. I go and do a study day on Tuesdays at a place called Canaan in the Desert. It's like a retreat center. There's a prayer garden. It's really quiet. There's two nuns. They come in and say, bless you. And it just really helps me prepare this sermon that I'm preaching to you. Um, But right above this little desk where I study there, uh, there's a portrait of Jesus holding a sheep. Have you ever seen this portrait? There's thousands of them. And I think when we picture like sheep and shepherd, that's what we picture. 
And it's true. But you know there's a reason he's holding you, right? It's because you ran away. So I want to see the portrait of the sheep who's running away from Jesus off the cliff. And then see like before, after, like how it started, how's it going? Is that what the kids are saying, right? But nobody paints those pictures of us running away. But, but so when we think about Jesus as our shepherd, he's, he's petting us. We're warm and fuzzy. He's holding us so close. He is because you ran away. And so listen, the bottom line today, we need to see we're the sheep. The painting is we're running away. And yes, Jesus, he has a staff with a hook on it. And he's yanking you back. It's grace, it's truth, that's true goodness. And that's what, what it means that Jesus is our good shepherd. And so the reality is for today, some of you just need to acknowledge, hey, in that painting, I'm not being held and petted by Jesus right now. I'm, I'm off. I'm wandering away. I'm wandering away in my sin, I'm wandering away in these other influences. I have let culture, not Christ, be my shepherd. And some of you need to acknowledge that today. And Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. It's not just a declaration. It's an invitation to give up everything else that you're following and follow him instead. That will unify the body of Christ. Amen? If everybody did that, whatever else you're following, whatever else is informing and affecting your decisions, your desires in life, what if for this body of Christ, for Phoenix Bible Church, what if we just started there? What if we said it's our good shepherd, Jesus Christ? What would happen in our lives, in our city, in our world if we were led by our good shepherd? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this picture of a good shepherd. God, I thank you that you sent Jesus as our good shepherd, that he... He laid his life down, that he took it back up again. He died, but he also rose again. Not just to care for us, but to come after us, to pursue us when we're wandering, that you leave the 99 just to come after the one. And sometimes that does mean you wrangle us by the neck with your staff. Sometimes it doesn't feel great, but it's because you love us. And God, I just pray for everybody watching this online, everybody in this room who just if we were honest, just to say we're, we're wandering right now, we're following culture, not Christ. We're following the group text that's always in our ear. We're following social media. We're following our own sinful desires, but we're not following our good shepherd. And God, that you would bring us back today. God, that we would declare through song that you are bringing us back. We would, for some of us, cry out that you would bring us back, but we wouldn't just leave here wandering. God, we would be reunited with our good shepherd. That we would be cared for, protected, pursued by you. That's the place we want to live. That's the place we want to be today. Help us to, to be in that place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.